So today we're going to conclude our series, The Friendship Factor, looking at our heart. Looking at our heart. I shared recently, the more that we kind of experience life in this day and time, the more I believe the capacity of the church to model friendship and to model the way of Jesus is more essential than ever. And I'm not just saying in the convenient, comfortable spheres. I'm saying our capacity to be mature, grace-filled followers of Jesus so that we can show the world what friendship looks like in the midst of conflict. We can show the world what friendship looks like in the midst of disagreeing. That what we are beginning to show the world is what Jesus proclaimed in John 17, that by your unity, the world would know that I love them. See, our capacity to walk as friends with one another and with people beyond our faith community becomes essential to the, ministry, the mission and ministry of Jesus. We've kind of been stacking some sermon series over the last kind of couple of months. We, we read through the book of Daniel during the summer and looked at what it looks like to live in a culture that's sort of full of chaos. Y'all remember that? Those of you that were with us during the summer, the Old Testament was speaking truth and hope to our lives and hearts today as we're formed into kingdom people. And that's the kingdom of God coming here on earth. And then we talked about faith at work in the book of James. And this work of God in us and through us. And this whole idea of friendship is that sometimes it's really hard. It's one thing to have like a group of friends on a social media platform that actually do not know what's going on. Or that you don't actually have to interact with. But when we start to interact in those spheres of proximity and in disagreement, we need to see the way of Jesus. And if I'm, if I'm going to just sort of summarize our series up in one thought is I actually believe it's a condition of our heart. And we see this theme throughout all the scriptures, that the condition of the heart of the people of God was actually very clearly kind of the, the primary implication for what was going well or what wasn't. Were their hearts soft and tender towards God, or were their hearts hard? Their hearts would get soft, and God would walk with them, and then their hearts would get hard, and they would walk away from God. Their hearts would get hard, and they would make idols. In the New Testament, we see some interesting thoughts around the heart, that the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The wisdom scriptures say, above all else, guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life. The scriptures also say that be careful about your heart because it's the most deceptive thing of all. So which is it? Is it the most deceptive? Is it the wellspring of life? Does everything I say flow out of my heart or is there a split? And I'm just very, you know, like, what I think this speaks to is the complexity of our heart in close relationship. The complexity of our heart in close relationship and why it is so important. And so today I get the privilege of just summarizing an entire series on friendship. And I'm going to ask you to look at your heart. And even think about friendships you've had. Think about a friendship you're in right now. Consider that the condition of your heart towards that person actually tells the story of how close and trusted you feel you are with them or how distant you might feel. The condition of your heart. 
So I want to encourage us to open up the scriptures. We, we believe that God speaks life to us through the scriptures, and we can meet God in relationship through his word. And so we're going to be in Matthew 22. Matthew is in the New Testament. So if you have a Bible, like me, it's about this far into it. Okay? If you have a version Bible app or a digital Bible, just go to the table of contents. It'll put you there in no time. Matthew is in the New Testament. It is one of the first books of the New Testament. And this is someone who walked closely with Jesus. This is what it says, picking up in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So quick context, there were some power groups, some groups of intellectual kind of esteem and thought in that day and time. In the previous verses, the Sadducees are testing Jesus. Didn't go so well for them. Jesus silences them. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, kind of the keepers of the law of that day and time, go, our turn. Jesus, we've got your number. So here they go. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, being Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of the law and the prophets hang on two. And the two invite us to friendship with God and friendship with one another. It's relationship. All of the religious activity, all of the keeping of the law, being a good follower of the law, having a life that looks like the life that the law should provide with the fruitfulness of it, it actually hangs on your relationship with God. It actually hangs on your relationship with others. The entire thing, Jesus gets called, what is the greatest? And he says, I'm going to tell you what the greatest is. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I want us to think about is in week one of this series, we talked about the importance of making an intentional investment, that friendship is this place of investment that's reciprocal. And the thing that I think we need for relationship to flourish is the intentional investment of an open heart. An open heart. And what I will tell you is this begins to be the riskiest thing of all. See, for relationship to thrive and to begin to walk with God and relate to God, you have to begin to open up your heart to God, which requires risk because you begin to let go of control. There's another authority. There's another player in this thing. There's another person who can meet you and walk with you and speak into you. And so it will require the intentional investment of an open heart. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Some of your heart, the part of your heart you feel is appropriate, and then the rest of your heart you're going to guard because you know better? This is where we begin to experience the risk of relationship. The intentional investment of an open heart, which means, God, I will stay open to you even when 
it's costly. Even when I'm uncertain, even when I'm unsure, it is actually the investment of an open heart. And I just think even physically, practically, if we close off our heart and we allow our heart to stop beating, it stops giving life. So how open is your heart to God? And why would we start there? Why do we need to start with the greatest commandment being love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? Why? I think there's this interesting tension in friendship that we as humans have this capacity to think we know better than God. So we'll just handle it. We'll actually live our life. We'll actually engage our wisdom in relationships. We'll call the shots because we know better. We know better. So I believe if I can close my heart off to God, I can still live the life I want. If I close my heart off to God, I can still be the kind of human that will be good to other people. But we run into a challenge. The first is this. I think if we're not careful, our hearts grow cold. Our hearts grow cold, meaning what we maybe start as a desire to keep an open heart, things happen in our life, and we begin to close our heart, and our hearts grow cold. What would cause that? What would cause our heart to grow cold to God that would keep us from living out the greatest commandment and walking in friendship with God? I think one is that the conversation stops. That our conversation with God begins to slow and even stop. And when that happens, our heart distances from God. Our heart begins to grow cold. We just stop engaging with God. God's kind of interesting in that he can be respectful of our space and our choices. The other thing that I think happens is that our heart breaks through disappointment, through hurt, maybe just simply through distraction. That the relationship begins to break because we distance, we get distracted, we get disappointed by God, we actually feel hurt by God because things in our life did not go well, and the wound is so great we close our heart. And when we close our heart to God, we close our relationship. We're no longer walking with God in, in the, the safety and in the, the sort of, the, if you think about the creation story, that they just, they walked through the garden together, connected. So if we need to invest an open heart to experience friendship with God, I think we need to be careful and cautious of a conversation that has stopped or wounds, disappointments, or distractions that have created distance. My heart grows cold when I experience those things. Can you relate to that? Can you actually feel that maybe in your own story? And so what do we do? I think in times like this, and I'm going to remind us, our very first week in Friendship Factor was intentional investment. We have to choose to invest and engage Weeks two and three were this, prayer and forgiveness. I think in the midst of a season or a moment or a story where we are primed to feel like the relationship with God is broken, connection can grow when I press into prayer and forgiveness. Prayer and forgiveness. Prayer is, God, where are you? God, where are you in the midst of what I'm experiencing? 
Do you even want to say anything? Do you even care? We can pour out our lament. We can pour out our grief. We can pour out our angst and our frustration and go, God, you do not know what you're doing. That's when we begin to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Because sometimes all of our heart means he gets all of our disappointment. He gets all of our discouragement. That's actually what a good friend is. A good friend is someone who will be there with you in the good to celebrate and in the pain to weep. An open heart to love the Lord your God with all means you give God all. And in prayer, we can communicate all. The entire spectrum of our life can be laid at his feet in worship. And we can practice forgiveness. When we press into prayer and we press into forgiveness, what we begin to acknowledge is that there are things that broke the relationship that need mending. Have you ever had to forgive God for something? It's an interesting concept. Have you ever been in the car by yourself and cried out to God? Because you did not agree with what was unfolding. You did not like the plan. Have you ever had to forgive yourself? Because you did not agree with yourself. <laughs> you maybe did not like the plan of your own life or the choices of your own life. See, I think that we need to understand that if our heart will stay soft, a lot of good can happen. Soft soil is where things flourish. Hard soil is really hard for life to emerge. An open heart allows us to intentionally invest a soft heart. A soft heart. I think this applies as much to God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. There's a softness to that. There's an availability. There's a possibility in my life in God's presence. But what I love about it is that it also moves me not just in a singular experience of friendship with God, but he calls me to the way I interact with others. I cannot have a soft heart towards God and a hard heart towards people that God loves. That's not the way of his kingdom. That's not the way of Jesus. Somehow Jesus kept a soft heart towards the Father and a soft heart towards all the people making messes around him. Do you see that in the scriptures? I think it's one of the reasons we love Jesus. Is he just does it better than me. Just go, I don't know that I agree with you, Jesus, but somehow you're moving in this space that I would find it hard to move in. You're getting tested by the experts and you're confounding them. You're confusing them. You're frustrating them. And sometimes they'll do that to us. So if we're going to invest an open heart, we have to be ready to intentionally invest a soft heart. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what I want us to really see more clearly in our day-to-day -day lives. Friendship flourishes when I can see that the other person is made in the image of God because I'm discovering I'm made in the image of God. 
If I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, what that's telling me is I discover that God loves me, that you are loved by the creator God and you are made in God's image. Think about that for just a second. You are made in God's image and God loves you. And when that takes residence in our lives, when that is the thing that captures all of who we are, when that is the soil of my soul and my heart and my mind, then I can have a soft heart towards the other because the other is made in the image of God. I love my neighbor as myself. I love my neighbor as myself. I stop seeing them as an idea. I stop seeing them as a perspective I disagree with. I see them through the eyes of the creator because my heart is soft. A soft heart in friendship means I'm holding space for you and I'm seeing you through the eyes of God. I, I love the Lord my God with all that I am so that the love of God gets poured into me so that as the love of God is poured into me, it pours out of me. It begins to filter everything I see about the world. This is why friendship is hard. Because the world tries to tell you to see the world through all the other lenses. The world tries to tell you to see the world through all the other ideal, ideologies and idols and all this other stuff. And Jesus says two. Jesus says it all hangs on two. An open heart to God that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you would love your neighbor as yourself. See, I think what God does initially is he confronts the human condition. The human condition is we all want to be God. That's what sin does to us. And so he asks us to yield and submit ourselves to the creator God. And then he begins to confront human culture. And human culture does something interesting. Human culture regularly around the globe says, I love the people who are lovable and I hate the others. Human power structures and human culture and human sociology and human psychology and human stuff, it always creates a distinction. You're in, I love you, you're out, sorry. I, I can discard you, I can do away with you. Do y'all see that? Does that feel true or do you feel like I'm making stuff up because I have on a stage and I have a mic? And I'm, here's the thing, all of humanity is made in the image of God. So I'm not trying to like do a disservice. What I'm trying to do is like, let's see the world we live in. Let's see reality. And if we can see reality, here's what I love about Jesus, is Jesus is confronting the stuff that sort of breaks the work of the kingdom of God and operates in the powers and principalities of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus, oddly enough, says friendship is the way through all of it. All of the law and the prophets. All of the story points to love of God and love of neighbor. So why does my heart grow cold to that? 
Why would my heart grow cold? I fail to see God, and I fail to see others created in the image of God. I lose it. When I lose touch with the creator, I lose touch with seeing creation through the eyes of the creator. And I see it through me. Turns out I'm greedy. Do you know that? Turns out I'm selfish. Turns out I can go, I don't like you. I disagree with you. I don't think that you're treating me fairly. So I'm going to return and retaliate and do all this different stuff. That soft heart grows cold when I lose the reality that you too are made in the image of God. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in another teaching, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. <laughs> and I tell you to love your enemy. So then who, who's out? Who does not receive love from us? And who does not receive love from Jesus? Does anybody feel challenged by this? And I'm not saying every human on the face of the earth is going to be your best friend. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we are called to walk in the way of Jesus, and that calls us to a way of friendship that continually sees the world through Jesus and calls people into a story that's really beautiful. I grow cold when I fail to see others in the image of God. So what do we do? What do we do? When our heart grows cold and closes off to God, we press into prayer and we press into forgiveness. It restores relationship. It restores connection. When my heart grows cold towards you, because <laughs> I don't like something you did, you're frustrating to me, you annoy me, you get on my nerves. Is that nobody? Connection can grow when I press into care and share a table. When I ask God to do work on my heart to make it soft towards you, I begin to say, God, how can I care for this person? Friendship is care. My soft heart will allow me to care about you, to care about your story, to try to understand what you've gone through, what are the good things, what are the things that are unique about you and celebratory about you, and what are the parts of your story that we would just need to weep over? What are the parts of your story that are so different than mine? You see the world differently than me, but I can care for you, and I can understand that you are going through something unique in this world that I might be as well. Our hearts will begin to warm towards the other person when we learn how to care for them, and we share a table. And we share a table. We eat together. So let me just tell you why we receive communion every week. Because we practice sharing a table with people different than us. We practice sharing the table like Jesus did with the one who betrayed him. We practice sharing the table that unites us because we all need forgiveness. We practice coming to a table that is bigger than me and you and says there's room at the table. Communion with God, loving the Lord your God with all, and then that puts us at a table to join in the story of friendship that says, I'm here with you. 
we're learning how to feast together because in the story of God, heaven will be full of people who probably hated each other. Which is why we need Jesus. It's okay, don't be shocked by that. It's why we need Jesus. <laughs> Think about this for a second. This morning, I was so struck in worship as we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Worthy, worthy, worthy is Christ the saving one. That gives us the, all the story we need for how we can be a friendship and love our neighbor. It's Christ. It's Jesus on a cross. It's that you are made in the image of God and I was made in the image of God. So let's share the table together. Let's weep together. Let's laugh together. Let's share conversation about how differently we see the world and then go, can we see Jesus in the midst of it? An open heart, a soft heart. And here's the thing that I would love to see happen more in my life. And so I'm just going to talk about me for the next few minutes. And if your story connects to my story, then just feel invited in. The friendship factor when it goes well and I look at Jesus and I see the faithfulness of Jesus and I see the faithfulness of God saying, I'm going to come dwell among the people. And I'm actually going to take all of the story onto myself and I'm going to enter into death and I'm going to defeat death and I'm going to show that there's resurrection life and then I'm going to go sit by the Father and I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to keep praying for you and then I'm going to come for you. What I see in Jesus is that Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit invest a consistent heart. And that's what I want to see grow in my own life. I want to be the kind of friend that's consistent. I want to have an open heart. And I want to have a soft heart, but mature followers of Jesus and complete followers of Jesus and humble followers of Jesus are going to operate with consistency of relationship. We need to invest a consistent heart. I love because of who I am. I love because God loved me. I forgive because God's forgiven me, and I don't ever lose sight of that. I don't ever lose my heart connection to that. I operate day in and day out out of who I am in Christ, a new creation. I've been set free. I've been cleansed. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I wake up today and say, Holy Spirit, fill me so that the fruit of my life is consistent to you and your kingdom. It is not my will any longer. It is not my strength. It is the living God living in me, filling me, and overflowing so that everybody gets the best transformed version of me every day. Because I see the world through an unchanging God, a loving God, a consistent God, and that allows me to become a more consistent person with the people in my life. I don't love my neighbor today and hate them tomorrow. I consistently wake up and say, God, I need you. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, it turns out, I need you. So that I can become a consistent friend. I can be a consistent friend in all the primary relationships of my life. I can be a consistent friend at work. I can be a consistent friend in a church family. I can be consistent 
when I want to like lose my cool, the Holy Spirit grabs hold of me so that I don't. It's a consistent heart. So why would my heart grow cold? Why would my heart grow cold? I think my heart grows cold when I rely on my strength and my power. I just, I just run out of resources. Anybody ever been there? You're just tired of it. You just had enough. You're fed up. You're exhausted. I think one of the primary reasons I'm inconsistent is because I get tired. <laughs> My heart gets tired. I am limited. And every time I have to face my limitations, do you know what it reminds me? It's actually really freeing. I am not God. It humbles me. Because I'm prone to pride to think I can do more than I can. I'm prone to want to make maybe myself look good. But the fact of the matter is, I'm limited, I lack resources, and I run out of fuel. And if I do not turn back to the living God to fill me, and I do not look to the Holy Spirit to daily give me what I need, my heart will grow cold and I will become inconsistent. Because God does not have all of me. My friendships will suffer. My heart will suffer. I will bear the weight of that. So we grow connection to God through prayer and forgiveness. We grow connection to one another through caring and sharing the table. And I think we grow a consistent heart when we understand that there, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to followers of Jesus to fill us. If you read through the end of John, Jesus is talking about this. So what we need is a daily refreshment from God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us, to give us wisdom, to give us insight so that our life will be fruitful, that the overflow of my life to my friends is the love of God in me and through me, which is living full of the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit. So here's what I, here's what I want to just make a point to. In Galatians 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's great stuff. Great stuff. Like, you can argue with me afterwards, and I'll just continue to tell you, I, I have yet to meet someone who goes, I don't want any of that. I don't want love, joy, I don't want peace. I don't want any of that. The problem is that is the fruit. That is the last thing that gets out on the tree. We need to work back from the fruit and get to the source. And my question is, if we want the fruit of the Spirit, are we living by the source of the Spirit? And we're allowing God, the living God, to take residence in our heart, our mind, our soul, so we can receive what we need and be consistent. And so the last thing about me this morning is this. If I'm going to be consistent, I have to be transformed. There's just no way around it. It's what Jesus did with his first followers. He said, hey, come, I'm going to make you. Everyone is made in the image of God. The question is, how much do we live like God? Are we formed into the likeness of Christ? You are made in the image of God. We didn't get to decide that. God decided that for us. In the story, in the beginning, God created. 
am I formed into the likeness of Jesus? Is my heart transformed to be like Jesus' heart? An open heart, a soft heart, a consistent heart, and a transformed heart. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For me to become this kind of person, I need a transformed life. I need to live more fully every day out of the love of God. I need to understand more fully what it looks like to walk by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit would overflow and fill my life and all the people around me. You all just would benefit. You should pray for this in my life. It'll be good for you. You should pray for it in your own life. It'll be good for everybody that you interact with. But let me remind us, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are not working for the love of God because it is already available to you. God loves you today. Not because you're deserving of it, but because it's the consistent, open, soft heart of God towards you. The friendship factor of a church is in the friendship factor of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the way of God. It's the character of God. There is no other way for God to be anything other than who God is. And we are invited to join in the story. So where do you need to step into the story today? 
Has your heart been fully open to God? Is your heart soft to God? I would just say, come in. Step into a deeper relationship with God today. He loves you. It's the hardest part of the story for most people to to really, really, really grab hold of. And for anyone, for any of the people in the room who just, that is where you grab hold of so easily, share that, share it, share it with everybody because we need to know how to experience the good news of God, which is God loves you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The friendship factor is in a God who wants relationship. And as we show and model that relationship, we begin to be a beacon of hope to a world that's asking lots of questions. If we're going to be transformed by God, we will invest the way God invests. We will pray. We will practice forgiveness as much as we need to. Can I just tell you that's the best thing the church has to offer? is a community of forgiveness. That we can experience the forgiveness of God in the relationships here. That's the story of the good news. That God invested himself in humanity. And he steps into a conversation with us, which is prayer. And he says, I forgive you. He cares about the condition of your heart and soul. That's what so many of the miraculous stories of the gospel all are about. And then Jesus loved a good meal, even with the sinners. And he loves you. One of our prayer ministry, two two of our prayer ministry team came to me uh, during worship and they shared out of the same passage Almost John 15 and John telling the story of communion. And we're going to close with this. Because I just think there's an invitation for us. Where do you need friendship with God? And where can you live out friendship? One of them came to me and said, isn't it interesting that when Jesus was serving communion to the disciples, he washed all of their feet, including the one who would betray him. God loves you. Even as the ones who betray him, he will wash our feet. It's good news. And then another one comes and just says this, that that Jesus is interacting with his disciples and this is the story we're invited into. And he says, I no longer call you servants because servants don't know the business of their master. I call you friends. All you friends. That is the primary relationship God desires to have with you, is friendship. Is that how you would define the relationship? Is that your DTR? It's for all the young people in the room. They don't even use that anymore. See? Just tells you how old I am. How do you define the relationship? 
What's your relationship status with God? I love the looks. I just saw heads go, oh. <laughs> Just get to practice forgiveness and grace. It's okay. How open is your heart to God? How soft is your heart to God? Where do you need God to meet you today? Here's one of the most freeing things I can give you. If God is real, say, show me. And if God is real in your life, then let's show that to the way we treat one another. Let's stand together. the end of our services, we'd like to create an opportunity for you to respond, because I think there's something we want to do differently than just hearing, like, oh, that was good. That was like a good thought. And here's what I mean. There are so many good thoughts filling the earth right now. I regularly screenshot them as I just swipe on social media, or I'll have a conversation with someone, and I'll go, oh, that was so good. We need the intellectual ideas of, oh, that was a good thought to press all the way to a heart that's being changed, which would lead to a life responding in a different way. And that's why we give response time here, to kind of activate the I'm in on this. I'm not just going, heard that was good, I like that, and I leave unchanged. Where do you have a need today? This is where we want to just be a community that just says, God, meet needs. Where do you have a need in friendship? What are you asking God for? So right where you are, I'm just going gonna, gonna to create some quiet space in the room. And I just want you to have, you can have an internal conversation in your head with God. You can pray, but it's like, let's just really think about what does it look like to, to lean into this conversation of friendship? Do I need more friendship with God? Do I need to experience transformation in my heart for friendship with others? And so, God, we want you to speak. We ask that you come. We ask that over all the things you're doing in our life, that we would be a community that put on love, which binds them together in unity. We pray for your peace to come now. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to people? So today I want to finish a little bit differently. If you know you just need to respond to God, you, you're giving your life in relationship, you're going, God, I've never given you all of my heart. Today I give you all my heart. Today, God, I need to learn how to love my neighbor more. I need your spirit to fill me. I, I woke up today and I didn't even think about being filled with your resources. I just do my own thing. We're going to just create space at the front for you to come.
And just like as an acknowledgement, almost like as a spiritual practice, the same way we come to the table, you're just going to come in response and go, God, you need to do work in my life. And then as a community, if you see a friend come down, I just want you to come stand behind them and just, just say, I care about you. You don't have to pray for them. You can. You can ask them, can I pray for you? You can just say, hey, I just noticed you're there, and nobody's going to come alone. Nobody comes alone. So if you're a leader in the life of our church, you're part of our prayer ministry team staff, if you see somebody alone, I just want you to come say, we got your back. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. It's going to be the official dismissed. We're going to sort of leave it just like, do you need to respond? If so, respond. And if, if it's like too big to respond by coming down front, then ask a friend to pray for you at your seat or just sit and just let God come right where you're at. So God, we pray for your kingdom reality to break in, that we would be a people that love God and love others because it's the way of Jesus. I actually pray that in the coming weeks, months, and years, we would be different friends. We would be a different way, a, a more compelling community, living out the friendship factor that is found in you. And so we pray that the living God would fill you with peace and that this would be a week where the gratitude of your heart would emerge and the honesty of your heart in God's presence would be open, soft, and honest. We bless you to love the Lord your God with all and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.